Do you want to hear what the best and most influential minds in the golf and turf industry have to say on issues affecting the world of golf? Turf grass and turf equipment? That's why I'm here. Tune in as Steven Tucker takes us on a journey with some of the nation's best minds and finds out what they think. If you were looking for excitement, you have found the right place. Welcome to the Turf Addict Podcast. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to this week's podcast, uh, Turf Addict. My name is Steven Tucker. I'm here this week with a very good friend of mine, college buddy, um, a shade tree mechanic by trade, um, and I've called him that, I believe, since college, uh, Jody Farber, who is the equipment manager at Coyote Springs and um, was recently nominated for Equipment Manager of the Year at GCSA. So, uh, Jody, glad to have you. Um, good to hear from you. And how is Vegas? Are you guys cold yet? Uh, no, I'm, I'm doing well. And no, it uh, is not cold. Uh, I believe yesterday we were at 78 degrees. Beautiful golf weather. <laughs> nice. Well, we're, we're right around that. I think we were 80s today, but we're supposed to get pretty cold uh, this week. Or not on Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday or Thursday is supposed to get pretty cold here. 60s. 60s is yeah, what's that? What's that oh, okay. 60s. Yeah, that's yeah. cold. Yeah. I'm sure. For here it is. Gonna... I'll have a couple jackets yeah. on for sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, all right, man. Um, for those that don't know, uh, both we both went to college at Lake City. Uh, what it's been 20 years ago, right? 20 years, yep. All right, so, um, we're one of the few, I think, that are left. I believe we had the largest class at Lake City in terms of technicians, um, and probably have the worst turnout ratio of any class because of that. Oh, yes, I, I, that I know of, I, out of our class, I only know of probably three or four of us four for sure that are still in the industry and three that are still equipment managers yeah and what, what do you remember what our class number was were we in the 20s uh, or 30s something like that it was pretty we big. were we were 28 total i believe right because we had one drop out or it might have been 30 and then we went to 29 yeah, it's it, you know it was astounding at the number of people that we had. I don't think we knew that at the time that that was a large no, number. I think I we just not. thought, wow, you know, it's good. This is great. And now we find out that hey, you guys had the largest class. It went from like twenty eight to like ten the next year. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, what made you enroll at Lake City? Um, you know, obviously you didn't grow up thinking I want to be a turf equipment manager right out of high school. What, what got you there? Well, in high school, I didn't play on the golf team, but I, I played golf here and there with friends. Uh, I was more baseball, um, in, in school. And I, I liked the game of golf. And after high school, I, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was like a lot of people and I did not want to just go to college and spend money that I didn't have anyway, just to go to school and see what I wanted to do. So I, I took a few years off and did a few different things here and there. Um, worked in retail at uh, the old sports authority, which is probably barely around if it is anymore. Um, and then I did some landscaping with, uh, with a guy that I went to church with and 
he actually worked on a golf course years ago and had enjoyed it, but he ran his own landscape company and loved that. So when a friend of mine that graduated high school the year after me told me about Lake City, he, he had gone there the year before we did and graduated, and he was working in Naples at uh, Bonita Bay. Uh, he told me about the program. I just thought it sounded extremely interesting. I, I liked doing the landscaping thing, like being outside. Never thought I'd get into turning wrenches or anything like that growing up, but uh, it seemed like a pretty good fit, and it uh, it turned out pretty well. Great. I mean, it's. Uh, I think you know we kind of very similar in past. Um, you know, I had the same thing where I played on the golf team. wasn't didn't actually didn't have good enough grades in high school to play uh, anywhere. Uh, probably I was right on the borderline of being good enough to do so. Um, and then I just kind of I had a buddy of mine that was going to school to be a superintendent at Lake City, and I knew I loved golf, and and so I just kind of went down that path and. I was like, well, I'll try the first year. I mean, I pick up things pretty quickly, and uh, yeah. and and so I did. And and ultimately, you know, looking back, it was you know, it just it's kind of one of those things that lines up and just kind of meant to be. Uh, you you kind of listen to, you listen to your uh, even like with jobs and things like that. You kind of follow the signs on what's the right direction to go. And and being that yeah. young, I think I'd worked pretty much every job you could work in town. Uh, the big city of Live Oak, but, uh, <laughs> and, yep. and so I, what else could you do? I mean, I loved golf. I wanted to do work on a golf course and ultimately, you know, the way I ended up going. So, yeah, yeah, that was similar. I mean, uh, my hometown, I'm from, oh gosh, Live Oak is probably a little smaller, I think, than my hometown, Arcadia, Florida, yeah. which not many people have heard of, but yeah, it was either, it was either work in the prison be in the prison which i had no plans on or be a teacher and i didn't really want to do that so i mean it was kind of a funny thing me getting into that because i actually was uh removed from and banned from our public golf course uh for a temporary period when i was in uh early in high school for running over what i didn't realize was a a gopher trap and Mm -hmm. i broke it and uh and uh yeah so my, my mom didn't think that was going to be a good fit, me being on a golf course full-time. So she sent you to college. and <laughs> Well, she just wanted me out of the house. <laughs> and and yeah. then there was the field sledding. So oh. you, you, you got to tell the story of the field oh. sled. Uh, first right. time, uh, listen, man, I grew up in fields, Live Oak. It's cow fields, and, and this yep. would be the first time uh, I would get introduced into this. Okay, so... So we both grew up in Florida, and there is no real sledding, like traditional snow sledding. Well, when I was probably middle school-ish, I had some buddies that owned uh, – their their grandparents owned pastures and owned cattle farms. So we would go camping out there. We'd spend all weekend, not see anybody. We'd take a little bit of food out. And one time they pulled the John boat out there behind the four-wheeler to – take all our supplies and tents and stuff. We just figured why, why carry it all or do several trips. So we put it all in a John boat. Well, next day we, uh, were bored wandering around and said, you know what? Two people get in the John boat and one person pull it behind the four wheeler around <laughs> in the pasture and see how that works out, which didn't work out well for the John boat. Right. 
but probably so, much safer than what we ended up doing. It was. I'm sure it was. So, yeah, so uh, typical, uh, for back, lack of a better term, typical college idiots coming up with something fun to do. Um, I kind of took that, and while we were at, uh, who was it, Stephen Rogers, at his uh, the, the pasture where he stayed, uh, the little trailer, we found a... We started off with just a board, but then uh, that translated into a truck hood that we got at a junkyard turned upside down. And we pulled it behind the truck in the pasture and rode on it. Not the Probably not the smartest thing to do, but I don't think anybody got hurt. No, but it, it and, surely could have ended that way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it did. I know it flipped one time. Actually, superintendent, last I knew he was in Vero Beach, Christian Milliken. I know he was on it when it flipped once, and hopefully he hears this. Oh, I'm sure. Um, And Dustin Hugan, superintendent up in Chicago, he, uh, he, I don't think he flipped off of it, but he, uh, he sure should have the one time. His shoe came off. I know that. <laughs> Nice. But yeah, that was uh, that was definitely one of the more interesting things we did. Yeah, and and we'll stick with just that one today. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yep. you know, you graduate. We graduated in '99. Um, yep. it, it's been a while. What we've been twenty years now or so. Um, is being an equipment manager what you thought it would be when you started out? Has it evolved? into something that you didn't think it would be you know what are your thoughts on the position now well it's uh i, I really did not have any expectations I, I i thought it was absolutely amazing when we got out of when we were graduating the amount of jobs that were available at the time for us kids coming straight out of school right so i i didn't really know what to expect there were some jobs that were that were paying really good money that I'm sure a lot of us weren't qualified to even apply for. And, and, uh, I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, it's definitely changed a little bit as far as, uh, the technologies that have been out there since we were in school. I mean, we, we learned on some of the most simple machines, uh, back in the late nineties. And now everything is, electronically controlled a lot of computers involved instead of just levers and valves and and solenoids and things like that um, so there's definitely been some some changing that's had to happen on our end and luckily our industry is pretty darn good at giving us the education we need to try to keep up right well and i you know i think one of the things that you know, as I think back into what this business was, I remember looking at the pamphlet and it's saying something like the average pay was $25,000 or somewhere around there for yeah. an equipment or for a head technician or, or mechanic or whatever at that point. And I was like, man, that's, that's what I need to be able to go to school for a year and make $25,000. And I remember, you know, just like you said with internships, uh, making, I think I made $10 an hour and had housing in Colorado and yeah. you know, a little, a kid from Live Oak that all of a sudden gets, you know, I got married the same time we graduated college. You did. Yep. 
and uh, and then took off to Colorado. I'd never even been outside of Florida or, or Georgia, <laughs> and, and I'm you know on a road trip to Colorado, taking my you know new wife, uh, and we're getting out of town. And it was probably one of the best experiences I ever had. And I remember yeah. BJ, one of our instructors, uh, saying, you know, if you want to do anything and you want to get you know, if you want to be good at what you do and you want to grow and you want to make good money, you're going to have to get out of this town to do it. Yes. And yep. he kept stressing that because so many kids want to stay close to mama. And, you know, so I was like, listen, if he's telling me this, he's a lot older than I am and I haven't made the best choices thus far. So maybe I ought to listen to somebody. And, and so I did. And, and, you know, it, it was definitely the right, the right step for that time. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're still married to the same lovely lady. So that's a good thing. I I don't know how she's put up with you for so long. I don't either. (laughs) Well, I think you guys may have said that to begin. What in the world? Really? This guy? (laughs) Um, But no, you know, there's something to be said. You know, she, the good thing about her was, and if you remember, she was pretty much BJ's secretary at school. She would go to college yep. and then she would hang out for, with us until yep. the next class until we and get it. Yep. answer the phones. And so she kind of had an understanding when we were in college of what we were getting into. Uh, most wives don't get that opportunity. You know, they kind of no. find out on the fly of how much yep. time it takes and how much you're, you don't know really what your schedule, you know, what time you're going to end and you start early and, and uh, sometimes it's dark to dark, and sometimes that can be hard to understand. But, you know, the good thing for her is she got to experience some of that. So, Yeah. Yep. All right. So um, we've both been in the industry for a while now. Um, what, and, and I guess from, from your side, you've worked in a couple of different types of things. You've been, what, in sales? Yeah. You've worked for the dealer, I think, out of college, yeah. right? Yep, and you've worked right in a few school. different places. Most of your time, I think, in Vegas and some time in the Carolinas. Um, yep. What's your favorite part of all of that? Having experienced the, the industry in a couple of different ways, what, what's your kind of favorite part? And what's, what's that part where, eh, I don't know if I'd do that again? Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. At, right out of school, I did. I went to work in, uh, for a Toro dealership um, down in Sarasota in Florida, West Coast Turf. Um, because, and the reason I did that, I had, coming out of school, zero experience with any equipment other than what we learned at school. So I figured, you know what, why not go see it brand new? So I took uh, my internship and, and stayed for a little while afterwards uh, with the Toro dealer just doing new equipment setup. Right. And I figured, what the heck, that I can't hurt to see how this stuff is supposed to be brand new before I go out and try to fix it when it's old. So um, so I, I got to play with a little bit of some demo equipment and got to see some of the stuff that would come in for repairs from other golf courses. And so that kind of ties in there. My, the, my favorite part of what I'm doing is is having – my own equipment that I know what's going on with it. Right. Uh, you know where it's been. You know, once you're there for a while, you know what's what's happened with that stuff. How much maintenance has been done on it? How much needs to be done? What you got to do to it? Uh, probably one of the things I I would not want to do is and is deal with. Uh, and I, I've had a couple of offers to go work for distributors to be like service tech or field tech or something. And I just, I 
have never had a desire to do that, to say, you know what, here's somebody else's issue that they, they've been messing with and they've been playing with it. And I don't know what's going on with it. Right. And they don't want to deal with it. Why would I want to deal with that? Right. So I, I've really never been interested in a distributor's field service or anything like that. I just don't. I'm, that just doesn't sound fun to me. I, I love being on the golf course, uh, like having my own equipment, like having my own stuff to take care of. Well, and on that, I think on that side, you're doing warranty repair or you're fixing yep. what everybody else doesn't want to fix. Right. And, you know, those are typically the big jobs, right? The splitting, you know, taking a clutch out and redoing that or, you know. Or finding the electrical problem that everybody's already tried to find and then they just missed a plug somewhere. Or a broken wire in a wiring harness somewhere that you can't, you know. Yep. Good old fusible link. Good Mm -hmm. luck with those. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I just, I love being on on the golf course also. I'm, I'm a an avid golfer as much as I can. I still haven't beat you yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. We played several times and, uh, not quite there yet, right. but, uh, well, the older yeah, I get, the, the easier it's going to get. It seems, um, I, right. I don't play, I definitely don't play as much as I used to. Um, no, no, you do too many other things. I know you get, well, you do too much podcasting and, mm-hmm. You got the consulting going on, which I think is more of a, a scam to get you out there to play other golf courses. Yeah, that that I think yeah. that's what you got going. But uh, well, I you know I I think the the great thing about doing that is, you know, number one, it's and I've said this before, it's helping other guys, right? I mean, I, I've always enjoyed being able to even if I couldn't help, try to give someone some advice on something they could do to kind of give them a shortcut or the right person to call or or whatever the the case may be i mean i know we've talked over the years many times on different subjects that you know some things i know and and some things i hey i'm gonna see if jody knows anything or has seen this or or whatever the case may be and i know we've all got those couple of people that we call generally to to bounce ideas and things off of um, but that's, you know, I, I think from from my aspects and, and the problem, I guess, that I have sometimes is and I've had to learn is that the expectations that I have are most of the time much higher than what I may see at other golf courses. And I wouldn't say all the time, but I, right. you know, I want everything the best that it can be every day. I, I just I think it'd be a waste of time to go to work every day and not try to do the best I can do. Because Absolutely. you know we only we have a short amount of time on Earth, right? So why would I do that kind of hemming and hawing through the day? Uh, why would I yeah. waste that time? And and so I just try to go every day and do the best that I can do and learn as much as I can learn. And it doesn't matter to me whether it's whether it's related to what I'm doing as far as equipment management or it's doing something totally different. Just the agronomy aspect of it's intriguing as well that I've picked up over the years. Just you know because I want to know. Um, yeah, and, yeah. You need to know why they're putting uh, what they're putting down and what it what is it going to do to affect your machine exactly. that you're setting up for them. Well, and I think being a player too, you start to you know you, you see things a little differently than everybody else does. You know if I yeah. if I walk out there, the cause and effect for me as a player is totally different than it would be from a technician's aspect looking at it and saying, "Well, it looks fine, right?" But it yep. doesn't roll fine, and and so 
you know, what can we do to, to make that better? Um, and, and I think from, from my aspects, that's what I enjoy doing, you know, that and problem solving. If I, if I go to another golf course and that, that's what my issue was, I think earlier in the career. And I don't know that it was an issue because I think it helped me learn is, is going from one, one golf course to another after three or four years or five years or whatever, I'd move to another golf course, one that was worse yep. than the one that I was at, or that I could see the ability to change. Um, and then take that job and get it transferred around and turned around and then, okay, I've got this done. Where's that next challenge at? Yeah. And I think as you get older, you start to realize, "Mm, I don't know if I want to start (laughs) over again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The challenges get, uh, I mean, not that they don't get harder and harder, but it gets, it gets more and more difficult to want to take it on that I'm, I'm with you there. I've, I've, moved around myself been in vegas back to florida back to vegas to south carolina and now back to vegas again and uh it's uh it definitely does get harder to to keep wanting to go to a facility just to turn it around and get to find a new challenge right there's there's plenty of them out there it's, oh yeah uh, no doubt about it. there's not going to be a shortage yes. of that um, no you know i think more so now for me it, it's it's definitely been more about my guys, you know, it, I, and, and maybe it's just a, as you get older, uh, you start to realize that, you know, you know, you did all this stuff to learn and to grow and who are you sharing it with and right. are you sharing enough of it and are you getting them where they need to be in order to do the yeah. same things? And, you know, I think that that seems to me to matter more than it ever has um in the past and and quite frankly um i could say i'm ashamed of my earlier self for not doing more right (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah your your early days are your early days are worrying about uh you getting the job done right making sure everything is perfect and you do it right and and you're right as you as you progress and as you get older you you really you still want the same result but it take it gives you joy almost to see the guys underneath you doing it as good as you do yeah. or sometimes better hopefully well, and that's i think that's and then, the goal and then right? moving them on yes moving moving your assistants on is one of the one of the better better uh rewards of this job no i i agree i you know i think you know again the difficult thing is is you know when i I'm probably decently hard on them uh, to try to make sure that they understand the importance of every decision that gets made and how it affects the other person. And, you know, I've got a head tech in my, in my facility that I'm training now to, he's used to doing the work, right? He's used to being the guy that's doing the work and we're trying to get him to learn more about teaching his assistant how to do what he's doing. So he, you know, a lot of times managers get thrown into being managers that are used to doing the work that never get trained about being a manager. They don't, how do, how do I manage people? How do I lead people? Well, you have to figure, you end up having to figure that out on your own. The unfortunate part is if you've never told or explained how to lead, then it can take years. And, and sometimes some still don't get it after years of leading you know, don't understand why they keep losing people or, yeah. you know, why do people not want to give a hundred percent when they come to work? Well, 
I'm not going to give 100% to someone that doesn't appreciate what I'm doing every day, right? right? I'm going to be ready to hit that time clock as soon as it's time to go home. But if I've got someone that cares about me as an individual and wants me to grow, I find myself wanting to do more for that person. So absolutely, I think when you look at it from a crew aspect all the way down to uh, just you know assistant technicians and, and equipment managers themselves, that you know sometimes we don't seem to get it that you know when we care about other people as much or more than ourselves, we seem to get a lot more out of them because they want to do it, not because they have to do it. And right. I think yeah. I think once you start realizing that your mindset changes on what you think is important, uh, yes. at least for me, and it may not be the same for everyone, but for, for me, it's slowly changed how I think about things. And, you know, I had actually, it's funny. I had Greg, the guy that actually won the equipment manager of the year this year, yep. uh, my old assistant. And, you know, he called me and said, you know, I did this podcast with GCSA and you know, I kind of give you a hard time because you put me on reels every single day. And I just, you know, got tired of doing it. And, you know, now I'm doing the same thing to my guys because it was that important, right? <laughs> because and, that's what needs to be done. And, and yeah. he knows now that that's what helped him get to where he's at. Well, and, and the, you I don't think, see it at first. I agree. And, and none of us do, right? It, it is, no, you uh-huh. don't see the big picture. But what I did wrong with him is I never explained why. Yep. And that's the yep. problem, right? I, I I said, okay, this is what I want you to do, but I want you to do this every day because this is the most important thing you'll ever do. This is what's going to keep you your job when you move on, the cutting yep. units. People don't care if you don't know how to rebuild an engine or, or rebuild a hydraulic system, or and he does, but the if you can't do reels, that's the quickest way out of the door. And, and so I think from, from my aspects, that's, that's what I see. Yeah. Yep. I think that's spot on there. And I've noticed a difference on that same subject. I, I, I have noticed a difference between the, the amount of care. I don't don't want to say, I guess it's not the amount of care, but the amount of uh, passion in Las Vegas versus South Carolina and in South Carolina, it seemed like everybody would talk to each other. It was very family oriented. And maybe that's because a lot of those people had been in that same area. They grew up there. They knew the people for years and years. Las Vegas isn't quite like that. Um, Las Vegas <laughs> is a small community. Right. Um, it is, it is small, even though it's a big city, it's a small community. I, I think I know, I probably know every superintendent. I might, there might be one or two out there that I don't know in this, in this area. I, I hit all, I try to hit all the association meetings. Um, we don't have a technicians association here. I've talked to them several times to get a local a meeting or two a year to start out with. And I, I can't get anybody to do anything. I can't get the super, the, the super sound excited. And then uh, it all just kind of falls apart. Right. Um, in South Carolina, we had a local chapter of the uh technicians association we had a meeting every month except for in the in the busy seasons of course just like everybody does you got to take a few months off when you're when you're really busy um 
everybody would call everybody. Hey, what do you got going on? I'm having this issue, this issue with this. Uh, have you ever seen it? Uh, just like you were talking about, you and I have done over the years. Yeah. And that was a, it was a different areas can, they just produce different people. And, and it shows, it shows up in the, uh, in the pay. It shows up in the, the, the people that you get. Right. You get uh, out here, it's a little more, hey, have you ever done this? No. Well, do you think you can? Well, I'll give you a shot. Right. And uh, it, it's really lessened our uh, our position a little bit. Um, South Carolina, I think uh, the, the Carolinas Association in general is, I mean, for superintendents, it's one of the biggest in the country. The Carolinas, North and South, all together, and they they put a, a very high value on the equipment manager position. So you get a little, <clears throat> excuse me, a little more understanding of the the value of a qualified equipment manager. Right. Uh, so different areas are uh, they're definitely it's it's hard to find people. I've I, searched and searched for an assistant technician here for a while and uh it took a long time i uh, i found a guy that had been a head technician at another lower end golf course but knew what he was doing um so i grabbed him up when i could and uh little little bit older gentleman not going to be the the kind that wants to be on the upper echelon of equipment managers, he wants to go in and get it done and make sure he, he makes sure it's done. He's a old school guy that will, will get it done however it needs to be, but uh, definitely a different mindset in different areas. Well, and I, I think you see that a lot. I mean, it, it's kind of hit or miss depending on where you go. And like you said, locations, I mean, I've been everywhere and you know, some things are very similar. Um, you know, I could, probably talk to someone for a few minutes and kind of understand how the operation is and goes and yeah. works day to day. Um, but you definitely have those that, you know, that are, are on top of their game and, and want to learn. And you've got those that are like, Oh, that's something else I got to do. And, you know, yep. I don't have time as it is. And, you know, it just, that fire is not there. And, and, right. you know, s some of that is, you know, just how some are, some of us are built and other parts of it is well, worn out. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> if you look at yep. some of the operations that I've seen that, you know, and the expectation level based on what we're providing isn't equal sometimes, right? right? That oh, yeah. You don't have enough technicians to get what you're requesting to get done, be done. There's just not enough time in a day. And especially right. to the level at which you're wanting to do it. You know, if you, yeah. simple math, like let's add up how many machines we have, okay, and then how many available hours we have as a technician to work in one year, divide that up by the number of machines you have, and that's how many hours you could spend on each piece of equipment, which generally equates to very little. And then, by the way, you know, you got to put all your grinding time in there. Uh, you're going out yep. in the field, your projects, your welding, all the different, pro you know, things that get brought into the shop, you know, take all that yeah, time the, out. The things you can't plan. Exactly. So yep. now what time do you have left? And generally you get that aha moment of, oh, well, you know, I never really thought of it like that. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and that's what I talk about in terms of help, right? Is sometimes, you know, a guy is really good 
when I get there, it's just that he just don't have enough time in the day to do some of these things that, that are wanting, you know, people are wanting to get done. And our industry, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you said it's, you know, just from a, how hard it is to find technicians that isn't going to get any easier. No, no, it is. It's definitely not. I have found <laughs> it is, it is really getting harder and harder. I've been in South Carolina. It took me a while to find an assistant tech that was qualified and was looking for a job. Um, it took me a while. Uh, I did find one. I actually, I took one out of Las Vegas in, uh, brought him brought him to south carolina and he turned out fantastic and is uh hit and now a head tech at a another golf course so it's uh and it's hard to it's hard to for certain facilities too and you've been to them i know you have as many as you've been to 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 check out when you're trying to hire a guy and they walk in and they see a facility that's run down and they see equipment that's not that doesn't look real good it, I mean, it looks like nobody's cared for it What's the motivation for them? Right. What's going What's going to want to make them come in if you're not going to You're not willing to take care of the facilities and the equipment and up keep it updated. What's going to motivate them to make it better for you? How do you get that? Right. Well, you know, and I think a lot of that comes back to personality, right? I think in my earlier career, I would have looked at that as a challenge to yep. go in and flip it, right? Um, because I, you know. In I think in a, in my early start there were a couple of things that I kind of I kind of spent my internship looking and I'm trying to understand how do you get noticed doing what you do and cutting units was number one and facility yep. and organization were number two yeah and and knowing that I spent all of my time on those things, trying to figure those things out. And the, the crazy thing about it is, is what, what we learned in college, if you do the preventative maintenance, you don't really have to do the repairs. Right. It, it's, yep. and, and it's amazing how well that works when you actually can apply it and, uh, and how much less money it actually costs you to run. Um, yes. You know, yeah. just from a repair and maintenance side. Now, from a labor standpoint, right, my labor budget is expensive because we have quite a few technicians for an 18-hole facility, okay? But our repair yep. and maintenance budget, I would put up against anyone's that it's relatively low because we are able to spend the amount of time necessary to make sure that all of our equipment is operating in the right condition. And yes. now I can spend more time on the details like grinding and leveling and all the things that, that we need to get. And, and then, in fact, when I got a guy that decides to move on, I also have a guy that can step into his place and I can spend the time searching for another one. Right. So, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah, just when, well thinking it out, I think. Yeah. When you lose a guy, you're not uh, you're not immediately hurting to, to try to replace him because you're you're typically your machines are already running as good as they can. Well, and, and they're cutting, so... And sometimes you know. we get it backwards, right? I mean, we think, okay, I'll get a good guy, and I'll pay him more, and then he'll be able to turn this place around. Well, he's got the same amount of hours available as the last guy that was here. Yep. You know, and you run that guy down, and then he moves on. It You know, it just becomes a chain reaction of things that happen, and you have nobody to replace them with, which is what gets you further and further behind. Absolutely. So that having a guy that you're training for the position when this guy ends up leaving is is the right call to make, even if it reduces our grounds team by one. 
you know, just simply because that doesn't put you in that situation. Um, but again, you know, it's easier said than done in some clubs. It's impossible to do it because you already don't have enough people and you can barely get your equipment fixed. And I understand that. But at the same time, if you want an operation that doesn't have those peaks and valleys like that, that's kind of how it has to happen. You got to have someone there that you're training to take that position when that person moves on. If that person isn't going to be the right person, then, you know, is he the right person anyway? Should we right. be looking for someone that's going to fit that that role? Because then it's easier for me to to encourage that assistant because he knows that when I move on, he's going to have an opportunity to step up and be in that role. He's got something he's working towards. Right. If I go to oh, work yes. every day and I have nothing to work towards, then what's my what is my reason for coming what's in and doing purpose? a great job every day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had. I've had a few assistants, and uh, I remember one guy I had years ago here in Vegas, and he was he was a head tech at another smaller course uh, overseas somewhere, and he was working for me. He was there before I got there, and I saw his abilities, and I, I asked him, I'm like, what are, what are you doing here? Why, why are you here? Because I wanted to know what was his motivation for being there. He was He was, in my eyes, he was very qualified to be running his own shop running his own facility and he said i he's like i just want to i just want to keep working and and do the best i can i'm like well i said i said if you're if you're here for more than a year working for me i've i've failed right i said you're you're already you're already where you need to be in the shop i said do you do you know how to do budgeting the paperwork the and that that was what he was not he wasn't up on the paperwork. He wasn't up on budgets he, and he didn't want to. Right. He, he was okay with just, he was in the shop and he was good and he could, he could, if you had a tractor needed to be split, he would without the proper equipment even because that's how he was taught. And you get him, get him some four by fours and uh, some cinder blocks. He'll break that tractor apart and change the clutch. Right. Now, that's not recommended by the way, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you just—it's hard to find guys that are willing to do both. They want to—they want to do the work in the shop. They know how to do that, and they can do the other things that need to be done—the the little things that people don't think about right. in the office. The office work is the—that's the fun stuff. Yeah. Have you ever? Uh, we're talking about technicians. Have you run, ever run into a facility where? You just have your your management just doesn't give you the uh, opportunity to succeed. You you don't have the the right fit. They don't understand what it takes to run a maintenance facility and the equipment and uh, things like that to get the job done the right way. Like you were saying, how you, how you bring in somebody and you pay them a little more and expect things to get better. That's not that's not the right way to do it. Right. And the right way to do it would be to put the money towards the the facility and the equipment and and keep the right people in there spending the their labor on the right things. Have you run across that in your uh, travels? Yeah, I mean I would say I would say a lot of it is a misunderstanding. Um Okay, yep. It, it's the technician and, and the superintendent don't talk very much. And when they do talk, it's just, I need this and I need that, or I can't do this and I can't do that. 
Yeah. There's normally not those one-on-one conversations of, hey, how's it going? What can I do to help? You know, it, yeah. it's never approached in that manner. And again, I kind of go back to the whole leadership aspect of that. And, right. you know, this, maybe that superintendent not understanding how to lead properly. Um, because one thing that I tend to do when I go in is not have any judge preconceived judgment on what's going on in any given situation. I mean, yeah. I lo- a lot of times know from the superintendent's perspective what he sees, um, but until I get there and see and understand what they're working with, what the expectations are, you know, I try not, I reserve my judgment until I, I can kind of see what's happening. Yeah. You got to see it from both sides first. Exactly. And and it, for me, it's not like, you know, some of the other consultants that come in and they have an agenda of saving money and they go find ways to save money. That, that isn't me. And I won't, that, that's not what I'm there to do. I'm there to give you the truth. That's what I'm there to do. And if it's something you want to hear, that's great. If it's something you don't want to hear, you're still going to hear it. Um, because I think that's what you've hired a consultant to come in and tell you. I don't want you to t- don't don't feed me a story of how great everything is if it's not. Uh, I, so, you know, that's how I tend to do things. And when I yeah. go in and I talk to the technician, I ask them, you know, what are your challenges? What what things are you challenged with doing and, and that you feel like you can't accomplish? Or, and, you know, when I figure out what those things are, I may have some 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 uh, little things that I can help them with to, to give them more opportunities and more time. And then I'll go and talk, I'll ask, you know, I'll ask them, how often do you and the superintendent meet and talk about the next week? Oh, well, we don't. I just hear what he needs and when he needs it, that's pretty much it. And it's a drive-by, you know, shout it into the shop. And he needs it in an hour. He doesn't need it tomorrow. He needs it in an hour. Right. And (laughs) I wouldn't say that every operation is like that. And and quite frankly, probably I'd say 75 to 80% of the places I go to are not that way. The superintendent just sometimes doesn't get it, doesn't understand, and feels like someone that can talk their lingo, so to speak, is better to figure out what the needs are versus them asking them and trying to understand why they need it. Yeah. Um, so that that's helpful. But there are the superintendents out there that don't understand, well, why do we need to meet? Why do I need to talk to them? I told them what I needed. You know, it's because yeah. this is not jail. <laughs> you know, right. yes. It, yes. It, it, this is this is a working relationship. We both have to work together. We spend more time together than we spend with our families. And so it needs to be where I want to be here. And if it's not, yeah. I can promise you you're not going to get anything out of the guy. Um, no. I know no, I if you if you put yourself, and I've always found this to be the easiest, if I take myself and put it in that person's shoes, I feel like I get, I can sit there and get an understanding of how that person feels and then figure out ways to better, better, um, get that. Yeah. Meaning, meaning I can, I, I can come up with some scenarios on how to improve it. And, and I think, um, so I see it both ways, Jody. I think there yeah. are places to work where it's just miserable and the guys are having a hard time and, um, but I have not met a superintendent yet that I've explained this to that hasn't said, yeah, you're right. I haven't that makes done sense. That. Yeah. Superintendents need they, the ones that, that you haven't talked to. They just need to understand that 
to help us do our job the way they want it done. We need to know from them in advance. Hey, what, what do we got going? What, let, let me plan my day out. Let me plan my week out. Right. It's, I relay it when I'm talking to a superintendent, I relay it like this. You know, if a member drives up to you while you're riding the golf course complaining about a bunker or complaining about this and complaining about that, and, you, and that happens six or seven times when you drive around the golf course, mm-hmm. when you get back, you're overwhelmed. You're like, man, are they really complaining about this and these little things? And, you know, and then think about the equipment manager, right, that is sitting in the shop that gets exactly the same thing happening to them. So the same yeah. thing you feel like when your members are complaining about all those little things that, that you didn't do and don't, don't see the things you did do. And th- what about that new tee we just built? Well, listen, that was yesterday. Today, all the tee markers are not lined up properly. Yep. Right? So it's the same thing happening to the equipment manager as well that they're just getting that, well, why didn't we have this done? And I thought you sharpened those reels. And why didn't you do this? You know? If that's what we get all the time, well, you know what it feels like as a superintendent, right? So you sit back in those shoes, maybe you will address that a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so moving on here, Equipment Manager of the Year. First off, congratulations on being nominated for it. Um, As you know, I had three people uh, of the three finalists that – so I ended up going to different computers and voting for everyone. So, uh, so that way I could I could be fair about it. But I thought you were only supposed to vote for the guy you knew the longest. I well, don't know how I was works. waiting on all of the uh, all of the bribes to come in, and nothing really uh, showed up. So I just didn't no. I didn't know, and I didn't want it Steven. to come back in the end that well you didn't vote for me. So Steven, I, just I live in me. Vegas. Everybody, <laughs> most of the people I know live in Vegas. They lose their money. They don't have any to send you. So oh, okay, yeah. Well, if, I we, if we'd hit that. once in a while, if we'd win a bet once in a while, <laughs> we could do that. But right. So tell me uh, how how do you you know how do you go through a career right and then you get nominated for that type of an award and then make it to the final three? I mean, what what in your career kind of got you to that point? Oh, I wish I knew. That's you you a, took the right road somewhere. I, I, I yes, it, it it really helped me uh, when I moved to Vegas. I, I worked for the distributor and uh, right out of school, I moved to Vegas, and very quickly, um, I found a superintendent that also went to Lake City. He was there. Oh my goodness, I think ninety five or six. He graduated from uh, the superintendent side of the uh, good old Lake City. Yep. So basically working with him, he knew he knew what we did. He went through, as you know, and all superintendents that went to Lake City at that time, superintendents had to go through the technicians part of the program. Right. So he, he kind of, once I, I contacted him and he had a position open and he's, he, we, our interview process was basically, hey, when can you start? Right. He knew he knew that I went through the school. He knew he had gone through the school. He knew he didn't want to do that job because he he knew what it involved, and that's not what he wanted. So it was a good fit, and I, I I worked with him. Goodness gracious, I worked with him at four different properties in Vegas um, over a, almost ten years, and I almost went to work for him in Florida while we both happened to be in Florida at the same time from. 03 to 05 
he was on the east coast at uh in Vero Beach and I was on the on the west coast in Naples and and I almost went to work for him there um before he came back out to to Vegas and then I actually came back out here too but uh working for the right superintendents it gives you it gives you confidence in what you're doing they they know you that you know what you're doing it gives you the confidence to just make sure that you just keep pressing on getting the things done right that you need to do it's a lot of the little things helping out on the golf course when they need it um staying a little while afterwards when you got a tournament i i was nominated when i worked at anthem country club uh james simons thank you james if you're listening to this uh nominated me james is a fantastic superintendent and i think i was nominated because i would go above and beyond what my duties were we we had a great package of equipment everything's running pretty darn good all the time our quality of cuts were really good all the time unless he just didn't tell me about that but uh <laughs> i would spend the time on the golf course i would when we have member guest tournaments or any any kind of member tournaments i was we needed a double cut i was there an hour and a half early jump on the triplex go out and mow ahead of the rest of the guys going out there and come back in and let somebody take over when they get there. So you just, the little things really all add up to, to getting you, I guess, recognized is what it, what it comes down to. Right. Well, and I, I think, you know, I, I, when I won the budding award a few years ago or whatever, it, it's never been about the awards, right? I mean, you don't, no. you don't do a good job because you're trying to win something. Um, no, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that, that is important is listen just do a good job and at some point someone's going to recognize that you do oh and it, it feels if, if you go in with the expectation well i'm going to try and i'm going to try and get nominated for this award i'm going to make sure i win it i'm going to do all the right things you're you're not doing the right things right it's when you're it's when you're going to work and doing your job and nobody's really telling you hey they'll, they'll tell you once in a while hey everything looked good today tournament went great appreciate your help that's all you need. And you don't need somebody telling you, Hey, I'm going to nominate you for this. I had no idea that, uh, any of this was coming. And it, it, it's a, it's a great honor, honestly. And, uh, I've never met Brian is Brian, right? That one. I've, no, it was, uh, Greg, uh, Greg, Greg, sorry. Yep. I've never met Greg, but, uh, I know eventually I will. And, uh, and I'm sure he feels the same way. It's just an honor to to be nominated for me, and it was congratulations to him for winning. I, I have no uh, no doubt he is uh, definitely he. Well, he learned from the best. He learned from you. So sure. yeah, <laughs> maybe I, I'm well, sure that's what he According to him, I was too hard too. on him. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So last question. Right. Okay. Um, after 20 years now. What keeps you motivated to go in and do it every day? Oh man, I didn't win the MVT. I got to win it now. No, yeah, uh, well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, you know what? For me, it's it's seeing the golf course, seeing the results of what we do. I mean, I, I like I said, I love to golf. I love to be out there and just go. I, I get out on the course and I see how good it looks and. Uh, that really keeps me coming back. And then, and then the people too, the, the people that you meet, 
Um, golf is golf is massive in this country, but it's still a, a community of people. You can, uh, oh gosh, I I played golf with a superintendent in Palm Springs in one of their chapter events in, in California, and then, gosh, it was ten years later he was my boss in South Carolina. Yep. So you just you never know who you're going to run into. You meet some of the best people. I mean, they all obviously all have the same passion you do if you're if you're in this for the right reason, and uh, it's just to me, it's just a lot of fun. Right. Well, you were right earlier. I mean, mine is the uh, just to play the golf at different golf courses, right? More yep. consulting I do, I can go play golf at yep, all these that's nice right. places. That's that's that. pretty much it. <laughs> no, you know, I think for me, and and it gets harder now, right? I mean, for me, yeah. and I've discussed this with my boss. I've discussed this with our GM at the hotel. I have discussed this with uh, a bunch of support friends of mine from Carlos at Bell Reeve to John at, you know, Cunningham, the GM at Aronimic, you know, yep. is figuring out what is the next step. I think when you get to a certain point, you realize, okay, now what? And this is where I've been, you know, starting in this business at 21 years old and being an equipment manager at that age. Yep. You After 20 years, you start to think, okay, you know, well, what's the next step? See, for me, early on, I was thinking this already. And, you know, that's where, you know, when we started talking about building IGCMA and all those things, okay, yep. these are the things that need to happen in order to build this position up to be what it really should be. And I think now it's, you know, it's merged with GCSA and we're like, okay, great. Now this has got wheels and it can keep turning forever with, with or without us. Um, yep. And so now what, right? I mean, I've, I've had opportunities to get out of this business and go do stuff at the hotel. That's hard um, to do. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I've gotten, I've been talked to numerous times about doing, you know, going maybe the, the GM route and, you know, do you would go assistant GM? Do you do GM? Um, do you do operations? Oh, man, you have to man? wear a suit and tie for that or? Uh, well, you know, and you know, I think, from my aspect, I've always wanted to keep pushing the equipment management yeah. field. I mean, you know, I I did uh, I worked for Mar with Marriott at Ritz for seven years, and and you know I had the dreams of being an equipment manager over all of those facilities, um, yep. which you know obviously hit at a bad time because the downturn of the economy was during that time, and you know I was actually yeah. out consulting when I got the job at Four Seasons. Um, and so now with four seasons, you think, okay, well maybe that can work for four seasons. Well, it doesn't really, because there's not enough golf, you know, we've got some golf courses, but there's not enough. And we're really a hotel business type of thing. And, and yeah. great, you know, one of the greatest companies I've ever worked for. Um, but golf is secondary and will be, uh, because yeah. the hotel is first. And I think, you know, being in this side of the industry, there is some comfort in that as well knowing that the hotel is there to support uh, the golf course and that you're not a golf course trying to make it on your own. So there's, there's a little bit of that comfort that you'll, you know, you'll have some job security for a while. Yeah. Um, and I have, I had the opportunities to travel to some of the other facility of our other facilities and help them out. Um, more as like a task force type thing where you go, you're just going there and helping. 
Um, but who knows? You know, it, it, you know, I could see a lot of different opportunities in the future at, at bigger facilities, bigger operations. But you know, then what? You know, I'm going to be always be the guy that at 60 years old says, "All right, done this. Now, what's, what's the next thing? You know, what's what, next? What's the next thing we're going to do?" Yeah. Um, and that's the bet. You know, the good and bads of my personality are that it's that yeah. you know I want to continue to grow and get better, and and the only way I can do that is learn more. And you know, I think when you when you feel like you've you, you know you're continuing to learn, but on a much smaller scale is when you start looking the other way at the people, right? Is, okay, well, I've learned this stuff, and I'm going to pick up things along the way, but I need to help these guys learn. And and now that becomes a lot more rewarding, but at the same time, that secondary thought is, okay, you know, at some point, these guys are going to want to move up. What am I, what's my next step going to be? And I I think that's the challenge, real challenge for me is, you know, in the next 10 years, what are my goals moving forward? That's going to, that's a difficult one to, to, to say the consulting yeah. is good, but it's not, you know, it's not a consistent thing. I go every now and again, and sometimes that can be months where I don't do anything. And sometimes it could be, you know, my boss is like, well, man, how many days are you going to be here this month? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I've got a great company that allows me to continue to do that. So there, there's yeah. uh, there's certainly no effort on my end to try to figure out some some change. But I think at some point you have to start thinking about what that next step is going to be, and that's kind of that hole that 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 I'm in right now. But again, it's still you know again one of the best places I've worked at, and and full of support from everybody. And and I guess at some point I'll work out what what my next what my next yeah. step uh, tends to look like well i've already got it for you do it's, you uh i do you it's need an assistant be, no, no. <laughs> yeah that would be perfect yeah. you would love that um it's going to be shade tree golf technical school oh okay you, you're gonna you're gonna go back to lake city mm-hmm. open that uh, open that school back up that unfortunately closed down yeah and uh it's going to be named after you, and you you can be the main instructor. And that is to clarify for everybody from the beginning of this. Steven's nickname is uh, Shade Tree, right. not mine. Oh. That's kind of, uh, we kind of go back and forth with it. It's, it just it's, depends uh, on what's going on, what kind of questions yeah. the other one's asking, I think. I'm, I was certain that is uh, that Steven's consulting business was Shade Tree Enterprises <laughs> when I first heard about it, but... Maybe it'll be Shade Tree Golf Technical School. That could be. That's the next step in the in the ladder. You know, I, I do think that that would be. Unfortunately, um, I don't think educators make real great money. Um, no, and, and they should, but they don't. And and I think from my perspective, I always thought that when I got ready to retire, that I would go back and teach um, for a few years to you know to help continue educating um but there's now not a program so what do you do now and and i've i've met with uh, them a little bit and we've talked about opportunities i think they opened up an automotive school there now okay um, and that's what's taken over our facility um, i don't know what their future plans are if they're going to get back into the golf side of for technicians or not um but you know i've always thought you don't necessarily need to have a school going year round to teach people. Um, you know, is it worth putting together schools that, 
you know, you go to a different state every few months and you train 30 or 40 people at a time uh, yeah. at, at dealers or whatever the case may be, right? That you, you just keep going around and training people. You could do that for years. Um, if yeah, you went around well, to different, different areas and, and, um, and make it affordable, you know, if you've got that many people that, that show up, then it makes it an affordable thing to, to do and, and a business that you could do. But the, the challenge to it is, is, you know, you've got to create all those places to go and you've got to get people to go to those seats and, you know, it's, uh, it makes that a little bit more of a challenge, but, um, you know, for, I think. For the long term, um, I enjoy golf just like you do. Um, enjoy playing when I get to play, and and um, I I think I enjoy most wait, waking up in the morning and going out and looking at the golf course uh, first thing in yeah. the morning and seeing how great it looks and and knowing you know not so much that I had so much to do with it now, but that my guys are learning and yeah. seeing what they are seeing what they are producing now. Um, and yeah. being able to address them in the right way when they make mistakes, you know, since it's not my boss that goes to them and says, Hey, why is this not, you know, the way it's supposed to be? It's now me. Yeah. Uh, I can now use that as a learning tool because I know what's wrong and why it's happened and what that, why that looks the way it does. And, and I can address that with them the right way instead of, you know, it being, Oh, you know, well, here's another issue. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Learning to do that the right way is, uh, is definitely a uh it's a process and I, I've, I've gone through that as well and uh, it definitely it took some time but uh like you said earlier you just got to know how you would want to be talked to right if there was an issue the, so the only concern that i have is you know they're they're growing in a place that isn't necessarily realistic so to speak right i mean uh-huh. there yep. are places that are like this but not many and and so am i giving them kind of a false sense of what the industry is by, by going this route. Um, and that's my only concern is, you know, if, if they go to the wrong place, you know, are they going to be able to handle that someone on the, on them all the time or, or, or that type of thing. And, and so that's the, really the only thing that concerns me. And I try to educate them on how real life is. Um, but at the same time, you don't know it until you get into it, you know, how that's, how that's going to work out. So when when they, when they talk to you about wanting to leave, you send them out here for a week (laughs) and, uh, I'll, I'll find a place for them. Uh, I know a few that we can, we could send them to have them work for a couple days and see if they make it. And if they do, then, then they're, they're definitely ready. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, I have kept you here for an hour and, um, you know, I certainly appreciate it. I've certainly Absolutely. appreciated being able to to be friends and talk to you for the last twenty years, and hopefully yep. uh, we can retire at the same beach and get on an old sled and and get you know figure out how to pull ourselves <laughs> uh, down the beach. We're gonna we're gonna break <laughs> next time we do that. We're getting, getting oh, that too old be. for that. But can we make can and, we uh, foam around it, or we can maybe we can do something. We could, we could do so. We figure something out. Right. We, we, we got a little better uh, ingenuity now than we had 20 years ago. So Yeah, and just thinking little, in, little what, more. 20 more years, where we'll be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have grandkids out there pulling each other around. Yep, that's true. Or so, great. I, I just want to say thank you, Stephen, uh, everything you've done for our industry. And uh, I appreciate you having me on, and, uh, and uh, hopefully we can continue to – to grow this industry along with all the other guys 
that you have on as well. So well, I appreciate, I appreciate everything it. you do for us. I appreciate it, and you know, I I just enjoy doing it, and and I enjoy uh, talking to everybody, and and uh, trying to make it a little bit better every time we we do things. And you know, if if we reach one or two people that kind of change the way they do things and see a big difference at the club, maybe we'll hear something back. You know, glad you guys oh, yeah. did that podcast, and yep, and, that's, that's you know, worth the, an hour of our time. For yeah, sure. I mean, the the one thing about it is you can keep you be playing this thing for years. So um, you know, if something happened to us one day. God forbid you still, you know, this stuff still exists. So, um, so that's part of, of why I wanted to, wanted to do it. And, and, uh, guests like you as well. I mean, I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, you know, I appreciate you coming and playing golf when you're in town and, and spending time and, and look forward to spending more time with you down the road, man. All right. Hopefully I see you in February. You will. Cause uh, if, if you don't, and I live in Orlando, we're going to have some issues. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well hopefully hopefully i make it that's the oh, thing okay. i know i'll uh, see you if i'm there but right. Right, we'll, we'll see all right man all right. well thanks again and for all the listeners thank you for listening um please be sure to check out turfaddict.com um we got quite a few golf course products the ones that i use and a lot of the guys in the industry use i try to only carry stuff on there that that i would uh that i would say or one of some of the top products so check it out if you don't uh have a great uh, rest of your week and Jody again uh, look forward to seeing you at the show and and have a good one all right thanks a lot Stephen all right man bye